0: Father, we just are so in love with you. We're so amazed by you. We're amazed by your kindness. We're amazed by your goodness. Father, it even says in your word that you are so kind and so generous that even you give the sun and the rain to this entire planet. Father, I just want to make mention just today, Father, of how faithful you've been through all this time. Father, how good and how generous and how thought you've been toward your church in this time. And Father, we just love you with all of our hearts. We love your word. We love your spirit that dwells mightily on the inside of us. And this morning, Father, we do declare that we have eyes to see and we have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church in these last days. Father, we just dedicate this to you. Father, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do in this service, interrupt whenever you want to, say whatever you want to. We thank you that you are the leader, the guide, and the developer of this church. And we just acknowledge you in this room this morning. Holy Spirit, You are Lord of this room. You are Lord of this service. When where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we just declare complete liberty in minds, in bodies, in depression, whatever it may be. We release freedom because you're here mightily. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we pray this in the mighty name. The name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much. Why, thank you so much, man. Oh, amen. We serve a good God, don't we? Man, I'm so thankful for him. And again, I, I love the word of God. Don't you love the word of God? Man, I love this thing. And it's not just because it smells like buffalo hide. This thing is like, this, rich with revelation, rich with insight. So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn together. In John's Gospel, chapter 17, we're going to continue on what we've been, the Lord has been leading us and talking to us about, which is about different. And, you know, we are really from another realm, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into that, into greater depths this morning. So John chapter 17 and verse 14 through 17, I want to read these verses to you. Verse 14, it says it like this. I have given them, again, this is Jesus praying for his disciples, which includes you and I. He says, I have given them your message, and that is why the unbelieving world hates them. So why does the unbelieving world hate you? Because of the message that you've received. It's a message. You and I are really, we're message carriers. This is what we are. If you can even just rather yourself, rather than I'm a, you know, whatever your job may be, I am actually a message carrier. You have received a message, and God took you out of that old life, and he brought you into this new kingdom. You have a testimony. That testimony is your message. And not only that, Jesus came to reveal a whole brand new kingdom to us, and this is the message that you and I now carry, and the enemy is trying to shut this message up. But here's the thing. He never will, and he never can. Why? Because our king, you can't shut him up. Right, he says this now. He says, their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. Where's my allegiance? My allegiance is to King Jesus. Then he says in 15, I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I am asking that you would guard their hearts from evil. Now verse 16, For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. I want to just read that line one more time to you and I. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. And then verse 17, he says, Your word is truth, so make them holy by your truth. And verse 16 again, I want you to put your eyes on it again this morning. If you've got your Bibles, I really want you to get your eyes fixed on your, on your Bible so you see it in your Bible. And he says this, and I don't want to make light of these words. These are powerful words, and I don't want to treat them lightly. Jesus says, you no longer belong here. Meaning, at one point, we did belong here. right? You can see that in Ephesians 2, talking about because of our nature. We were children of this world, children of the enemy. So what happened inside of us, we actually had the wrath of God on us. But Jesus said, because of the message I gave you, you've been taken out. And he says, you no longer belong here. Can you say it with me? I don't belong here. Now, what is Jesus saying with that? If I don't belong here, I don't belong to this world, meaning its ways. Its ways of thinking, its methods, its routines, its approach. I have nothing to do with that anymore. Remember, Jesus paid a tremendous price to get you and I into a brand new kingdom. And look at this in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to give you these verses here for a moment. Again, Jesus said, you no longer belong here. How could he say that? Because he paid a huge price to get us out. (laughs) Anybody thankful for that this morning? I'm so thankful that I'm not there anymore. And in verse 19 and 20, it says this, we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. Then in verse 20, it says it like this. Are you guys seeing it? Oh, you are. Okay, I'm not. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two. Now listen, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Say it with me, free and fresh. I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me free and fresh. And how did he do that? Jesus' body was split in two. So now he can look at you and I and say, you no longer belong here. That is good news for you and I. So now what the question would be, okay, where do I belong? And I know we got those big words on there. You belong here. Well, yeah, here you do, but in the world you don't. Okay. So don't get that, you know, confused. You belong here, but not there. So where do we belong? Where is our home country? And I want you to see this. I'm I'm just laying a foundation for what the Lord is leading us into. And I'm excited about this. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 16 through 18. I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible here for a moment. It says this, that Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross gets us access or to embrace. And that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and he preached peace to you outsiders, which was us and to us insiders, which was the Jews. He says he treated us as equals, and so he made us equals. Through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. Then he goes on. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. Look at these next three words. You belong here say that with me you belong here I don't belong in this world where do I belong I belong in the kingdom of God I belong here and the way that he goes out to say it is with as much right to the name Christian as any anyone God is building a home and we're going to be discussing that how God is going to and how he builds his home God is building a home he's using us all irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Say that. He's using me. Now he's using me and you, fitting us in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. So if I don't belong to this world, and I've been now part, and I do belong in the kingdom of God, two questions is, if I belong to a higher and more powerful kingdom, why would I want to stay and live according to the natural lower kingdom that Satan is ultimately the God of? Why would I want to learn the routines? Why would I want to learn the methods? Why would I want to learn the approach that ultimately darkness, Satan himself, is the lowercase God of this world? And that's what he is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 brings that out to you and I, that Satan is actually the God of this world. So if I have been taken out of that old kingdom, I've been brought into a new kingdom, you and I have been given an amazing invitation. We've been welcomed now to operate at a way higher level in a brand new kingdom. And now here's the thing. I must align my life to this. It is a complete transformation. Your spirit already is operating in that kingdom realm. 100%. 100%. The moment you got born again, the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were born again, the Bible says. And what happened on the inside, you were drastically and totally changed from the inside. The old man has been crucified, the Bible tells us, and behold, the fresh and the new has come. But what hasn't changed yet, what's in the process of being saved and changed, is our soul. And this is where the battle lies. This is where the change takes place for you and I. Is to finally get our soul in line with the word so that my spirit and my soul are synced together. God wants us to be whole, spirit, soul, body. Your spirit is looking mighty fine. It looks just like Jesus. Now, where the challenge is and where the change needs to take place is in our soul. Our thinking has to change in order for us to operate getting out of this realm that we were were in. Jesus took us out. I need to now intentionally go after and align myself to this new kingdom realm so I can actually see and experience kingdom results. It's not complicated. It's just a mind change. Okay? Now... What is the difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God? The kingdom of this world, it operates by sense knowledge. It operates by reason. Right? We know that. aren't you? We're thankful for our senses, but we don't live by them. The kingdom of God now, it operates a totally different way. And how does that kingdom operate? It operates by revelation knowledge. Or another way of saying it, we live by what God says. Come on, y'all. I've been taken out of this kingdom. I've been brought into this kingdom. Who's the God of the kingdom of God? God. Jesus is Lord. He's the king, right? So now if I'm in this kingdom, how do I live my life? I live my life based on what he says. But what if it contradicts what I see? I have to stick with what he says. Why? Because I'm in a brand new kingdom. And this other kingdom doesn't operate by senses. It operates by what does King Jesus say about the situation? So be it. That's what he says. But I don't feel it. It has nothing to do with that. But I don't see it. It has nothing to do with that. Why? Because in this kingdom, we live by what he said. And that's the major difference. So, what you and I are doing now is that we are now going to, if we call Jesus the Lord of our life, we no longer have the run of our life. It's what he says. Okay, so now. We're going to talk about how is God building his home, like we just read in Ephesians chapter 2. How is God building his home, which is called the church? How is he actually building his church? right? I want you to turn with me now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And I want you and I to really, we're going to be diving into this in a lot of depth. And I'm excited for it, because how do we build the church? Is it just by, oh, I have to get more and more numbers in? Not necessarily, although... Hey, we want to reach people. That's absolutely our call. We're here to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's our job. We want to see people coming in. The lost get saved is the absolute heartbeat of what we're all about. But is it just about numbers is what makes the church the church? No. God is building his church. I want you to see how God is building it. Because what happens when somebody accepts Jesus as the Lord? I accept Jesus. I accept Jesus. And they stay in that state for the next 30 to 50 years. There's no growth. There's got to be a growing up time. And what God is doing in these last days, I believe that for us as a church, is he's growing us up quickly. We have to grow up and we have to be able to be in sync with him to carry out what he wants to do in a city. Don't just look at, oh, you need a, you know, you a thousand-member church in order to do that. No. You know what we did over the last couple of weeks with nine different services? We had ranges from four people to 15 in all these different types of services, and a lot got accomplished in there. All he needs is a willing vessel, a willing heart to say, God, what do you need done? I will do it. Done. Now, I want you to see how is God going to build his church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. This is the question. Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, I want you to see this is... This is kind of sad. This is where the, the Israel, Israel nation, the Jewish nation was in their belief system. Number one, they said this. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They believed in reincarnation. It's a sad place to be. Right? But Jesus kind of went on. He said, okay, cool. Now he says, who do you say that I am? And now I, here, listen to this. Peter piped up. He says this. You are the Messiah. The son of the living God. Now, this next verse, I don't want you to kind of read it and go, Oh, that's just read it in a King James version. Oh, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Well, well done. Well, well done. Well done. That's not what he's doing. Jesus, I believe, got ex- super pumped. I believe he went, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Peter. And he looked at him and Jesus replied, You are blessed. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed it to you. And he goes on, you did not learn this from any human being. Now notice the next verse, verse 18. This is what everybody quotes, but I want you to, we had to read these previous verses to understand the oomph of what Jesus is saying. Verse 18, he says, now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, on this rock... I will, what? Build my church. And what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. What does that mean? What, what, can't the, what, what can't the hell defeat? The church that is built on revelation, knowledge. How is Jesus building his church? Revealed knowledge of who he is in his word. You and I, we are going after. This has been the cry of my heart now for the last couple months. I've just been praying this Ephesians prayer. God, give unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Why? Because that's how he's building his church. What's the next level for you and I? Revealed knowledge. I can't be okay with just mentally assenting to what the word says and go, oh, yeah, I believe that. I heard the word says trouble comes my way. Oh, but this is what's happening. You and I have got to get to the point that no matter what comes my way, this is what the word says. This is what I see in the word. I'm standing and having done all to stand, I stand. How can you do that? It's not just getting enough, you know, soul strength and just pumping yourself up. I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do this. It's revelation knowledge. And how does revelation knowledge come? It comes from the inside out. What is sense knowledge? Sense knowledge comes from the outside in. And there's nothing wrong with learning. All that's great. But it should never take the place of revealed knowledge. That's why the word tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. doesn't matter how much education we got, how smart it was, and how smart you were the last time you defeated something. This time, what is God saying to me now? I need revelation knowledge to get me through to the next phase. So revealed knowledge is what we are after. Revelation knowledge is what we're pushing for. And one thing I've learned about God is God. This this Bible is closed to a lot of people. Why? Because God doesn't talk to smart people. He talks to humble people. Lord, we know so little. (laughs) Teach me. Show me. Open my eyes to see. And so for you and I, this is what we're doing, is we as a church are going after revelation knowledge. We are to be that church that when people think of impact, they go, that's a bunch that loves Jesus. Not only do they love him, they reveal him really good. Okay. So now what we're going to be doing just this next little bit here is we're positioning ourselves now For revelation knowledge. And I have four points that I want to bring across. I'm sure there's more. But these are the four that we're going to talk. And they all intermingle with one another. So it's not like, oh, this is number one. This week, two, next week. They're going to be intermingled all throughout this time. And what we're doing is I'm taking the step. How do I get out of this sense realm living that I've already been taken out of. But I feel trapped there by sense knowledge. How do I get out of that realm? We're positioning ourselves now for revelation knowledge. Because there is a position. I mean, Jesus even said, I'm not going to throw pearls before swine. He's not going to just throw this precious word that has the power to overcome any obstacle in life that it could ever come across a human being's way. This is the answer, but God doesn't just throw it out to whosoever. He gives it to those who want it, who crave it, who desire it. And those that crave it, desire it. Guess what? This becomes now an open book for us. And this is what we're going after. Now... Number one is this in positioning ourselves for revelation knowledge. Number one is this it's going to be simple. Number one is knowing God speaks, understanding how he speaks, where he speaks, and to who he speaks. That's number one. So ultimately, you could just say, God speaking, how, where, who, what, right? Secondly, now is understanding that I am a spirit, I have a soul. And I live in this physical body. I mean, just to quickly tie in here, when God speaks to you and I, does he speak to your brain? No. Does he speak to your flesh? No. Where does he speak? He speaks to my spirit. But if I'm not aware of that, if I'm not even aware that I have a spirit and I'm looking for God in my soul, I'm looking for a thought, I'm looking for a feeling, I'm looking for an emotion, I'm going to miss this this spectacular and I'm looking for supernatural things to happen. Meanwhile, God is constantly talking to you and I on the inside. Thirdly now is this, is we are developing an attitude of, I live in the reverential fear of the Lord. I live in the fear of the Lord, which simply is this, I put more weight, everybody say with me, weight, I put more weight or more value on what God thinks or says above anything else. That's the weight. Again, we're talking about positioning ourselves for revelation knowledge, because as long as what so-and-so says is on par with what God says, revelation knowledge cannot be accessed. And it's not that God is just mad at you for, I'm not going to show you now, Is that He's looking for people that would value his word, that no matter what came their way, he knows that somebody would stick with the word. I mean, why do you think God chose Abraham? He saw a determined individual, someone who regardless, 75 years the a promise was given, you'll have a son. He didn't get it till he was 99. That's 24 years. That's a long time standing, believing, and calling yourself father of many nations. Abraham could be like, well, I don't feel it. It's not working. Never worked back then. doesn't work now. But even on part of that, he stood and believed God. And what happened? He became the father of us all. And lastly, number four is this. I have to give God access. I have to give him something to work with by getting into the word <laughs> to the point that I actually begin to crave and desires God's word. Did you know that if you can get addicted to the word? Yes. You get addicted to the word, guess what? God will support your habit. <laughs> Absolutely. You get addicted to this thing, and he'll make sure that you, get, you stay addicted to it. When you get addicted to this word, now you start knowing that, hey, things are changing on the inside. I'm getting a different picture. And how do you do that? You start praying Ephesians chapter 1's prayer. Now, let's begin here. Does God speak? I want you to think about that for a moment. Does he speak? Because over the course of this time, I don't know how many people I've come in contact with, going, well, where's God in all this 2020, 2021? The bottom line into all this is we have to give him access, for one. But the question I really want to put to you and I is, does God speak? Does he seem like God speaks to others more than others? Does, does it seem that way? Sometimes it looks like, man, God's sure helping those guys over there. How come I'm not getting any direction? I want to just bring some of this out. We're going to maybe not get into that today, but we may get into that next week. But is God speaking? Absolutely. Of course he's speaking. Now, how is God speaking? How does God speak? In Hebrews chapter 1, now look at this here, verse 1 through 3. It says, long ago, God spoke. Say with me. God spoke. And he spoke many times. Uh, in many ways, to our ancestors. Notice how he did it? Through the prophets. So in the Old Testament, how did God speak? Through the prophets, right? Through the prophets. Not quite, and it's, that's how he discussed. That's how he talked through Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of these individuals. That's how God spoke to the nation of Israel. That's how he spoke to the nations, right? Okay, now verse 2, look at this. And now, in these... Last days. Come on, say it with me. In these last days, what are you and I living in? The last days. When, did they, when does the Bible refer to it being the last days? The book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when I'd fully come, it says, on these last days, i pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The Bible talks about the last days actually being in Acts chapter 2. So guess what we're living in? The last of the last days. And he's still speaking. Notice this. And now in these final days... He has spoken to us through who? Through his Son. Through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. Now notice this. I love this last part. The Son, verse 3, it says, irradiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. This is what he does. So other translations say that he is the exact image of the invisible God. Jesus. So how is God speaking to us today? The primary voice, the way that he does it, is through his son, Jesus. Now, I know you know this, but I'm just, again, we're positioning ourselves for revelation knowledge. We have to hear how is he speaking. He's speaking to us through the son. Now, let me give you, really show you this. In Mark chapter 9, turn here again for a moment, God made a very public display that we are to pay attention to his son and i mean you and i being new testament believers now we know this but i want you to i want you to see this amazing occurrence that took place for these disciples to actually see and all of a sudden really take reference to i need to pay attention to this jesus because at that time what did the the jewish nation what did they focus on the law and the prophets right the first five books of the Bible: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you have all the prophets, right? And we even read that in Ephesians chapter two. It was all the foundation work, right? God is speaking through the prophets about what's to come. I have one coming. I got a Messiah coming. I got Isaiah even prophesies about I have a tender servant. That man, no, it doesn't even make sense when you see it. And there's nothing beautiful or comely about him. It's he's speaking through these prophets, but now he speaks through the Son. Now look at this in verse two. Mark chapter 9, he says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. And his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Now that's a laundry detergent (laughs) commercial there for you and I. Then he says, Elijah, notice this, Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this, verse 6, because he didn't really know what else to say because he was terrified. <laughs> you ever said stuff like that just because you're... Uh, let's just do this. like you just No other reason because you're terrified. Okay, then look at this, verse 7. Then a shadow or a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. I love these words. Listen to him. Can we say that word, those three words together? Listen to him. And then it says, suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone. Now, what does Moses represent? The law, the first five books. What does Elijah represent? The prophets, all the books of the prophets. He says, when they looked around, who was gone? Moses and Elijah had disappeared. And who was in front of them? Only Jesus. And what's the Father's voice? Listen to Him. Listen to Him. And this, what's our call today in these last days. Listen to Him. When all of a sudden, <laughs> what's going to cause you and I to reign in this life like the Bible promises? Listen to him. What's going to give me the peace that passes understanding? Listen to him when I don't know what to do. Listen to him when sickness or disease try to attack itself against my body. Listen to him. What's the answer for the church when all of a sudden persecution is going to come in a different waves? Listen to him. Come on, y'all. We got to say that together. Listen. To him. What do I do with my kids in this crazy world? Listen to him. Let myself be refreshed by him. Let his words penetrate deep into my soul, deep into my heart. Let it not depart from your heart, Proverbs chapter 4 tells us. Penetrate and let them get deep on the inside. Why? Because our sustaining life, the only way you and I are going to make this thing out alive, for lack of a better word, is listening to him. Because whenever he gives you direction, whenever he tells you something, he also empowers you to carry it out. That's the most amazing thing about his word. His word, not only does he just tell you, hey, this is direction for your life, but now here's also the equipment. Here's what you need to know. Here's the grace. Here's the sustaining ability. Here's the power to hold you steady no matter what comes your way. My grace is sufficient for you. You can see that in Paul's experience, right, when he talked about a thorn being given to him in the flesh, Right, And it says a messenger of Satan. What was the enemy trying to do? He was trying to take away and trying to distract, trying to take Paul out by using a messenger of him, a, one that was a thorn in his side. And Paul says, I sought the Lord. What do, I, what do I do with this situation? And what did Jesus say? My grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul said, for when I'm weak now, I am strong. His grace is is more than enough for me to overcome no matter what comes my way when I hear what he said. I found this to be true on numerous occasions from my own personal life. God, what do I do about a situation like this? And you get direction. You get clarity. And what happens? There comes this grace on the inside of you going, okay, I'm going to be just fine. And it holds you steady even though it's all hell is breaking loose around you. It keeps you strong, keeps you steady. Why? Because I've heard from him. And what is really ultimately hearing from him? It's revelation knowledge. I mean, you can look in in Acts chapter 28 when Paul is on the the ship ready to go to, to Rome. And all of a sudden, what happens? There's a big storm that comes, it lasts for three weeks on a storm. Talking about puke buckets everywhere. Now ha- roller coasters are hard enough a little bit for me. I can imagine three weeks on a uh, on a ship. And what happens? What did Paul say? An angel came to him and gave him a word from God saying, It's okay, Paul. Your life will be saved, and everybody else's life will be saved on this ship. So what did Paul turn around and say? He says, be of good cheer. Uh. He says, I've heard God. He says that nobody's life will be lost. Well, how, how can you say that, Paul? It was revealed to him. When you have revelation knowledge, nobody, no storm, no matter what comes your way, is able to shake you. Why? You know too much. And it's not just, well, I think, yeah, I think the clouds are going to clear out soon. We're not talking about hoping or just wishful thinking that something's going to happen in our lives. We've heard from the master and whatever he says goes because I'm now part of this kingdom. And what this kingdom, how this kingdom operates, what King Jesus says, I believe it regardless of what happens on the outside. So when he says this is the year of the local church, what do I do? I align my life. I align my thinking, I allow my posture, I align every part of my being to say, this is the year of the local church. I agree with it, and I align. Well, I don't see it. I don't care what it looks like. They can say whatever they want to say. This is what God said, and we are part of this kingdom. So for you and I, (laughs) listening to him is of our utmost importance in our lives. Not only that, you actually read in the account in Luke's gospel when there's, there's a couple of disciples that met the Lord after he was resurrected, and they said, Man, when he talked to us, did our hearts not burn within us? When he speaks, what does it do? It awakens you. When he speaks, there's literally nothing else can compare. Even though game seven, Toronto versus Montreal, it, nothing, nothing can compare to when he speaks. What happens, what does it do on the inside of you? It does something where you just, your heart burns. And what will keep you going? It'll want, keeping you wanting more. God's word becomes addictive. The same way that a, you know, an addict needs that needle or an adult needs that bottle. Man, you get to the word of God and all of a sudden you're like, I got to get me some more Jesus. And now you're one of those crazy ones who uses their summer vacation to go and find out what the word has to say at a conference. Sounds crazy to do that. No, that's just... It just all depends what you value. We have people that, that, that are here and that actually move from other towns, other cities, to come to this church. Why would they do that? Well, you hear people moving for their jobs. All that matters is what do you put a value on? When you put a value on the word of God, he never disappoints. That's a, it's a big deal. So now, listening to him, there's something about you and I, again, stopping removing distractions, sitting underneath the word, and just listening. Luke chapter 10, 41, 42, just to kind of tie this in there. We know this story about Mary and Martha, but I love this, what Jesus said to her. You know, what I love about the word is that Jesus simplifies life. He simplifies it. He keeps it simple. And at this time, if you read the account of it, Martha actually is mad at Jesus. Martha's actually telling Jesus what to do. and It's like just not a pretty scene. You telling God what to do? It's not a good place to be, and so then the Lord answered her again, just very gently, Martha, my beloved Martha, and when He says your name twice, I don't know why not. My name was said twice. That was a bit of a dangerous place to be. Joel, Joel, oh shoot! Or Joel Matthew? Now you're in big trouble. Right? That's now you're. Yeah, that's it. Martha, my beloved Martha, He says, "Why are you upset and troubled?" Pulled away by all these many distractions. Are they really? Now here, this is a question. Are they really that important? And what, what's he trying to do here? What's Jesus trying to bring out to you and I? What are we valuing? What are we putting absolute weight on? Because again, I, to, to the degree that I've been looking and posting and seeing all these different reports and stuff, is it really all that important compared now to listening to him. And we know the answer to be, of course not. But I have to do it now. Okay? Look at this verse 42. So he says this, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. I love these words. She is, come on, say it with me, undistracted, and I won't take this privilege away from her. So again, all these four points that we talked about, they're all intermingled. There's a lot that we could go into, but I'm not going to get into it next time we will. But Mary has discovered the one thing that's most important by choosing, again, it's a choice, to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take away this privilege from her. So now, how does Jesus speak? So how does God speak? He speaks, and he says, through his son. So now, of course, we know there is, again, many different ways. You can read it in Ephesians chapter 4. God uses his fivefold ministry. He talks to the, the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. Of course he's doing that. What else does he speak through? Again, the primary way now that God is going to speak to you and I is through his word. Now, again, I know you know this, but again, I'm saying it again because you know this, and I want to bring it to the forefront. We're positioning ourselves again, what? For revelation knowledge. God's not going to just all of a sudden whisper deep secrets into my ear when I'm just, you know, off doing my own thing and not paying any attention to him. Secrets come because of friendship and relationship. Jamie and I have these intimate secrets and these, we have these communications and these talks. I know her. She knows me. How do you get that? By k- lots of coffee. <laughs> and going on dates and spending time with one another. It's the same way with our father. Everything he does is relational. God's not just handpicking a few people that he likes and goes, oh, I like that guy. I like that girl. Yeah, yeah, they'd be great. I'll tell them some stuff. No, it's people that are undivided towards him and say, God, I want it. Moses, I want you to picture this man Moses. What did Moses want? I want him. He even said, God, if you're not going to go with us into this promised land, I ain't going either. That's a friend. He wanted it so bad. And it's the same with this revelation knowledge. I'm getting to the point like God. I need this. Or oh, I don't know how I'm actually going to continue to go forward. I need revelation knowledge. I need to see it. So open this up to me. Open up my eyes. Am I where am I dense? Where am I missing it? If there's anything hindering our relationship, expose it in me. Open me up. I mean, the Bible says everything's exposed before. That's not just about you and I, we're naked in our clothes. It's even our soul is exposed. Do I have a mindset that is off, that's hindering you from communicating and wanting to share your heart with me? Reveal it, open it, I will get rid of it. Why? Because I want revelation knowledge more than I want any kind of thing else. Now, how does he speak, number one, again, through his word? John 1, 1 through 5. And I'll give you this. Verse 1, it says this. In the beginning... What kind of beginning is this? This is not in the beginning Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. This is beginning before creation even existed. Before time was even a thing. John 1, 1 says in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God and the word... Come on y'all, I really think about this. Go back to verse 1 there, down there. Thank you guys. He says, in the beginning, I want you to see this again. In the beginning, the w- what, what already existed? So I want you just to get this picture. What started before everything even happened? So this, look, here's, this is, here's planet Earth right here. Here's all the creation, God doing Genesis chapter 1. What existed prior to it? The Word. So you know, what's, what starts everything? Words. The Word starts everything. The Word starts it all. Even that revelation right there is mind-boggling. Everything begins with the Word. And he says, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, says, he, notice how he exchanged the Word and he. Do you see that? It says, verse 2, he existed in the beginning with God. He existed. The Word existed in the beginning with God. Verse 3, God created everything through him or through the Word. And nothing was created except through Him or through the Word. Can you see the emphasis God is putting on His Word? The Word, the Word. He even God even says, "I magnify My Word above My name." Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but what's going to stay strong? My Word. And who? What's the Word? It's not just a, a nice leather-bound Bible, nice on pages. It's a person. It's a man, and his name is Jesus. And I love this verse four: the Word. Or Jesus gave life to everything, that, uh, to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. So if you and I, are we needing some light in our life, light just simply meaning I need direction, I need answers, I need insight. His word is our access point. Are you confused on a certain subject? Are you unsure about just something going on in this natural life? The word brings light to everyone everyone. The Word does. The Word does. I don't like what's going on. out there. What, what's happening out there? Go to the Word. Find out what does the Word have to say and just believe that. This is the safest place to be. And verse 5, I love this. He says, the light shines in the darkness. The Word shines in the darkness and the darkness can never what? Can never extinguish it. It will never put it out. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. There is so much more light, so much more life in him than darkness can even contain. Do you know how how to kill Jesus, it took every effort the Romans had. After a whipping post like that, it would just, men would be dead just like that. Jesus not only went through that, then he carried his cross up to Golgotha. Then they nailed him on the cross. Too much life. And what's that life? Too much Word. The Word had to relearn the Word, which is... It's the Word. It's the Word. Why couldn't the Pharisees stop Him? The Word. Why couldn't Pilate kill Him the way He wanted? To? The Word. What held Jesus on that cross? His love for you and I. But ultimately, it was the Word of God that kept Him on that cross. It's the Word that sustains us through everything. And lastly, let me give you this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. The word of God tells us this, that all scripture, all of it, is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true. I don't get my truth from the news. I don't get my truth from doctors. I don't get my truth from lawyers. I don't get my truth from, you know, you name it, any of the best stuff out there. I don't get my truth from there. Where do I get my truth, church? This is big for us all. This is huge. We're not in this kingdom. I don't go by what they say. I don't go by how they act. I go by what does King Jesus want me to do? What does he say in his word? That's my truth. That's my, that's the truth. Here it is. All scriptures inspired by God, useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. If I'm not in the word, I'll think I'm right all the time. And that's a dangerous place to be. We got people that think they're right for everything. You're not. Why? Because the word will prove where areas are wrong in our lives. And if we're not submitted to it, God can't reveal. So what happens? We stay in this stupid state and we just keep swirling around and around. And God's going. That's what you see in Proverbs. The message Bible brings it out. Hey, stupid, how long do you want to stay stupid? Wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is calling out. Come out of there. Come out of this. Let me discern. Let me talk with you. Let me reveal the ways. Let me bring the truth of God's word to you so that you can get out of that funk and start living the life in truth and in light. That's his heart. He says realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every Good work. Oh, man, that's good news. So if you don't, God's called you to do something, how is he going to train you? How does the equipping process come? Through the word. Through the word. Well, I'm called to do this. How is he going to train me? Through the word. Well, it doesn't make any sense. When you get revelation knowledge, you operate on a completely different level from where people are just naturally down here. Fighting a natural battle is a waste of time. When you have revelation knowledge, Guess what? You've already known you won the battle. But now rather than trying to duke it all out, you actually now speak and proclaim things from a place of authority because revelation knowledge is what we're after. And when you speak from that place, Jesus only had to say to a storm, quiet. How could he do that? Revelation knowledge. It's all come from that. Every breakthrough in faith is first a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. Anybody needing breakthroughs in their life? How is it going to come? It comes primarily first through a breakthrough in revealed knowledge of the Word of God. You need healing in your body. It's not just, I'm just hoping and praying. You need to see Jesus on that cross. You need to see His back ripped to shreds for you. When you see it, then you see it. And this is how God is building his church not just on nice cliche sayings he's building his church on revelation knowledge. Because when you get it you get it and there is nothing else that anybody can do. How many know you're saved? Have you ever seen the Lamb's Book of Life? How do you know your name's written in it? You just I heard that I just know. What is that? That's revelation knowledge. Somebody says well no you're going to hell. (laughs) No I'm not. Well how do you know? because I know how to explain it. I just know. (laughs) Try to talk me out of it. It won't work. Amen. So father, we come before you this morning. Lord, we are a hungry church for you. We love your word. We desire your word. And father, we just ask you right now, sir, that you would grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of you. That the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light, that we would know the hope of our calling, that we would know how rich is your inheritance that you put in us, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power in and for us because we believe. Father, we need to know that. We need to see that. So I'm asking you for Impact Life Church, for this church family, that you would grant that unto us. We believe we receive that. We take that by faith. Come on, say with me I have eyes to see, I have ears to hear, I have a heart to discern. My mind is open to the Word of God. And I believe that I receive clarity, light, direction in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.